our words again from Ephesians 4. I'll read verse 8 and then I'll skip to verse 11 and go on from there to 16. Verse 8, Therefore he said, this is Christ, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Verse 11, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting but speaking the truth in love. We may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. As I mentioned a few moments ago, one of the frequent and recurring points of emphasis within the calling that God has placed upon my heart in ministry is to continually remind you and all who will listen that God really does have a plan for our lives. We hear Billy Graham say that often, and we accept it. But Billy Graham is saying to you and to me that plan does not start and end as you walk down that aisle. It only begins there. God has a plan for all of our life, every moment of it. And that's why you've heard this constant refrain in these weekly messages that I give. And you'll hear it again today because the words that we just read is just filled to the brim with this same truth, that God has a plan for each of us. Now, have you received Christ as your Savior? If you have, as you have confessed Him as Lord, then from that very first moment when you receive Him as Savior, He begins to set you apart, to set me apart for this plan that He has, for the purposes that He has for us. And again, those words in Isaiah 43 that says He's very specific in what he does. Verse 1 of chapter 43 of Isaiah, he tells us, For I have redeemed you, I have called you by your name. You are mine, saith the Lord. Now those words clearly tell us that God is very intentional. He has called each of us by name. He has redeemed us. And not simply so that we can enjoy salvation, Because, yes, redemption does provide salvation and a great joy in that salvation. But he has redeemed us for a far greater purpose so that we might be about carrying forward that plan that he has for us. All those matters that Jesus left lacking when he returned to his throne in heaven. We would think that, no, Jesus did it all when he was here. But no. He did what he needed to do that we might have have salvation. But he left some things for us. We're told that in Colossians 1, verse 24. 
I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I fill up in my flesh, listen, what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of the body, which is the church. These words, simply put, tell us that when Jesus returned to heaven, that he intentionally left much to still be accomplished. And he specifically appointed us, his body, the church, to carry out those responsibilities both to each other within the body of Christ and then on out into all the world, beginning in our own neighborhoods, in our families, in our workplaces. In our salvation, you and I were immediately elevated to this exalted position of being sons and daughters of God. We're told that in John chapter 1 and in Galatians, that you and I become sons and daughters of God. And listen, when we become part of the family of God, we have responsibilities, and that's what he's talking about here. Responsibilities that need to be attended to, and that's our calling. That's this calling that he placed upon us as he uh, saved us. And then to carry out that calling, as we've been talking about over the past few weeks, God has given us a special kind of enabling power. He unites us together first with Christ and then with each other, the body of Christ. Because individually, you and I can't do very much. But united with each other as members of the body of Christ, united with Him, equipped by His Spirit, we can do great things. We really can Jesus made a statement in John chapter 14 that I've often pondered. He said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. That's you and me. We will do those works also. But listen again. And greater works, greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. I've often thought, is it possible for me to do greater work than Christ? He, of course, is not talking about his position as Son of God. What he's talking about is this, that by ourselves, individually, he was in one place at one time. That's why he said, I must go on to be with the Father so that I can send the Holy Spirit and he then can fill each one of you and you can become far greater than I was able to be as one person in one place at one time. You and I, being individuals, we can only do so much, but united together with Christ and with the other members of the body and then equipped with the gifts of His Spirit, we're able to do far and above anything that we could hope or imagine. It's miraculous. And it's exactly as Jesus said here. I say to you, he who believes in me the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these he'll do because I go to the Father. Now realize that all of these kinds of expressions, they're they're strange and they're mystical to us. Hard for our ordinary mind to comprehend. But please understand, it is ever so true. And it's to the extent that we join in and allow God's plan then to be worked out in all the matters and circumstances of our daily life. That both the individuals within the body, within the group of believers that are present on this earth, this body of Christ, that the whole body itself then can become a wonderfully working mechanism of God. 
That's what the church is all about. Not this building, not just this group, but the body of believers throughout this town, this state, this nation, and all up into all the world. And that's exactly what we're reading about here in these words. And so my question for each of us this morning as we begin in this, are we ready, are you ready to step on forward and to get on about this next part of God's plan that He has put into your life personally? Again, God is saying here, for every part of my plan to prosper, all I'm asking of you individually is that you surrender your lives, your hearts to me. I'll do the rest. I'll take care of the rest. I have called you by name. Don't be concerned about what you will do or how you'll do it. I've taken care of all those matters and all those details. I have placed a special calling within your soul. And I have given each of you very special gifts. Gifts that are tailored to you. And they will enable you to carry on forward this calling that I'm going to put on your heart. We pray for David and Melissa Williamson. They did not walk to become missionaries the moment they were born into this life. Probably all through their teenage lives. I knew Melissa personally. She had no desire whatsoever to be a missionary. If you'd have known her, you would have known what I'm talking about. But God did this in her life. And in her husband David's life. And everything changed. Miraculous change. He put a calling. A draw for them to go into all the world. And to give this gospel to unreached tribes. They're with New Tribes Ministry. They reach to new tribes of people who have never heard the gospel before. So God puts this calling up on your heart. And then he equips you to carry out that calling. And as we know from Second Peter 1, you and I have been given everything that we need for life and godliness to carry out all that God wants us to do and to be. And so God says to you and me, He says, I want some of you to be apostles. That's what this word says here. I want some of you to be apostles, to go out with great authority and to declare all the good news of the kingdom of God. I want you to establish churches and I want you to establish Bible studies and I want you to establish missions. And then others of you, I want to be prophets filled with this living word that I've placed within your minds. And I'm going to give you the unction to give forth my word to everyone that you encounter. And no, not everyone will listen to you. A lot of folks won't listen to you, as a matter of fact. They might put up with what you say for a little while, but they're not listening. They did not listen to my prophets, and they didn't even listen to my dear son. But you must go forth with my word anyway, so that they will be without excuse on that great and terrible day of judgment. And then he says to others, I want you to be an evangelist. Now like the prophets, you'll also give forth my word. But I'm going to send you especially to unbelievers, to people who have not 
heard my word before, have not listened. You'll give them the gospel and you'll do it without hesitation and without concern about your own abilities of knowing how to speak. Much like Moses, he complained to God and he says, I have a stumbling with my voice. I don't know how to speak. The Lord says, go without hesitation, without concern about your abilities to speak. The power that takes place when you speak those words resides within the gospel itself. Because the gospel is filled, God says, with my Holy Spirit. Listen to these words. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. And then he says to others, I'll call you to be a pastor. I want you to shepherd my sheep. I'm the great pastor of all of you. And I know about all the troubles that you're going to encounter as a pastor as you keep my sheep safe and well fed. You'll recall as Jesus stood on the beach there just after He had been crucified and and He had risen and He was just before He ascended back into heaven He was talking with Peter. And He said to Peter three times, said, Peter, feed my sheep. Shepherd my sheep. Give them the gospel. That's what God is talking about here in this gift. He said, I want you to shepherd my sheep. And I know all about those within the flock that will wander off. They'll get into dangerous and destructive places and beliefs. But be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. The gifts that I will put within you will help you to do all that you need to nurture those who would wander off. And pastors will not only be given this ability to shepherd, but he says, pastors, I'm going to give some of you the ability to teach. You've never had that before, but I'm going to give you the ability to teach. Not all pastors will have the ability to teach, but most will, because they are the ones who most often feed my sheep. And so I will give you the gift of teaching. My word's not often easily understood with the natural mind. But with your spiritual gift of teaching, my word will become clear as you speak it into into their lives. God is saying, I'll give many other gifts. Most of those are listed there on that spiritual gifts inventory that we passed out earlier. He says, so that the church may go forward and be established. I'm going to give some the gifts of leadership. I'm going to give them the gift of administration because they're going to need to know how to organize and run the church. Now to others within the church, I'll give gifts like that of faith. Other gifts like wisdom and knowledge. To some, I'll give the gift of compassion, of exhortation, of serving. Others, I'll give the gift of help. To others, I'll provide special sums of money to give to those who are in need. And I'll give them the spiritual gift of giving. Speaking with a young man in one of the Bible studies I'm involved in during the week, he went to Mexico on a mission trip three or four weeks ago. He had just received money that he did not know that he was going to receive. 
It was a fairly goodly sum. It was strange to him. He didn't know what he was going to do with it. But there in this small church in Mexico, the pastor was selling furniture out of his house to meet the next coming bills for this renovation that was taking place on his in his church, which, by the way, was not nearly as well constructed as this one. Barely had a floor. Immediately, this friend of mine knew exactly why God had given him that money. And so, to those that he would give the gift of giving, he doesn't require that you go find your own money. He says, I'll arrange that. I'll give you both the gift and I'll give you the money. And you'll know how to give it. You'll know when to give it. You'll know who to give it to. There'll be a lot of people that would like you to give them money, but I will give you the special spiritual gift of knowing who to give to. Then God says, some of the gifts that I give, people are not going to understand very well. They're going to be hard to understand in certain days and times, such as in today's church climate. We find that the gifts of healing, the gifts of miracles, the gifts of tongues, and interpretation of tongues, they're embraced by some, but they are firmly rejected by others. And God is saying, I don't want my beloved children to argue and to disagree. It truly grieves me to see them quarrel the way they do. Because the body is most blessed when it is knit together in unity, held together by my spirit. And so I'll send my spirit to mediate your quarrels and to bring humility and surrender to your heart. Folks, listen, this is what God is saying and that he is doing in the church. Again, this is all believers when I say the word church. But this is what God is doing in your personal life too. He is so very, very good. These precious gifts are given from the heart of God to our own heart to enable us to bless all those that we encounter each day. Verse 12 again, For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. All of these interworkings remind me of a television program that we used to watch many, many years ago called The Millionaire. Each week in that program, a wealthy benefactor gave $1 million to a person. And the intent of the storyline of that program was to observe the changes that would take place in the lives of those who received that great gift. Some did very well, but others did not. Often that gracious gift was misused and squandered. And so it is with these gifts of the Holy Spirit, beginning even with the gift of salvation. It seems that whatever gifts we receive, that we can somehow systematically misapply and misuse and squander all the blessings that God intends with his special gifts. Most often, it's for the very same reason that those people on those television programs failed. It's because of self. Self exerts itself in and it takes charge and it wants to use whatever the gift is for their own benefit. And that's not the way it is intended to be. 
And just like the manna that was given in the desert to the Israelites, if they did it right, everything worked out well. If they went and collected only the amount of manna that they needed for that day, and then on Friday they would take enough for two days for the Sabbath. But if they took any extra, it molded. It molded. And it was not at all good. You and I, and so many other believers, are guilty of that same kind of behavior. Pure and holy gifts from the hand of God are just wasted, or even worse, used as some instrument of destruction for ourselves or for our fellow believers. How dare we take such a pure and holy gift from God and corrupt it and misuse it? Instead of stepping on forward into this new and blessed plan that God has put into place for us, we step back into that world from whence we came. But it doesn't have to be that way. It really doesn't have to be that way. We truly do now have everything that we need for life and godliness. He has put all of that into us and we are no longer a part of that world system that once controlled our lives and our behavior. We are now securely within this body of Christ, this precious body, and we are knit together with Christ and with each other. And God has some expectations of us. Let me read quickly before we close how God envisions you and I working together in the body of Christ. And what he relates it to, correlates it to, is us with our own members of our own body. Listen to this. This is in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. But in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot, listen, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body was hearing, where would the smelling be? But now God has set the members, each one of them, into the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But indeed, there are many members, yet one body. The eye is not to say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. There, then, should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, then all the members rejoice. Now you are the body of Christ and all members individually. Folks, God intends us to be one without any schism whatsoever in the body. And he has called us and equipped us to take our part within that body. I do hope to spend more time on this next week. Lord willing, we will. But for now, let me just close with verse 12 of our text. Do we receive these gifts for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body? Praise be to God. Let's pray.